0: It's amazing because I did say a prayer a while ago, and one of the things I said was, please help me say the right words that will reach the most people in an effective way. So it's amazing that you said almost the same thing.
1: (laughs) We are simpatico, my sister. Yes. (laughs) All right, I'm going to start the music and then we will just dive in. This is Jenny Hatch, the host of the John Saxon Story podcast. This show is dedicated to the work of the late John Saxon, who wrote a fabulous series of math books. And Naconia Hayes took on the task of documenting John's life in her fabulous book, The John Saxon Story. Week by week, we are going to share chapters of this book, in a podcast format so that you can listen to the book on your device. I am thrilled to have Nikki Hayes with me today. She is going to share her story and why she decided to write this fabulous book. Nikki, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Jenny, for inviting me. This is exciting. Uh, I'm always glad to talk about John's story and his life and what a warrior he was. Because heaven knows we need good warriors today in mathematics and in education.
1: We do. We'd love to hear a little bit of your story first. Can you tell us a little about yourself? I know you're down in Texas.
0: Yeah. um, Well, let's see. I guess the funniest thing always is just to say I'm 82 years old. My feet touch the ground and my mouth works. What more can I ask for? (laughs) And uh, when I retired from teaching in 2006 in Seattle, I moved back to Waco, Texas, and mainly because they love God and country down here. And uh, Seattle is a very strange place. But one of the things that made me want to write the book, because of my background um, in working with Indians and kids, uh, largely kids from high-risk schools, and um, a lot of gang-type kids who really didn't care about much And I was in in 1990. Much, what I, much better way that helped our, our Indian kids go to college, which they had never done before, and then when I went to Seattle to be the principal of a K-5 school, the was almost all white upper middle kids. They were using math, and I convinced the teachers to try Saxon math. And, wow, the kids had jumped from, uh, like, way down in passing the state test at the 60th, 60th percentile up to the 88th percentile in two years simply by switching to Saxon math. In the meantime, and I'm talking about me because I can't separate me from my teaching. Um, In the meantime, we were the only school in Seattle, I think we had 60 schools in Seattle, that was using Saxon math, and I kept being beaten on the chest because I wasn't along with their program of the fuzzy math. And I kept saying, but the kids are doing well isn't that our goal and they said no you're supposed to be part of our team and you're not being part of our team by working with John Saxon I was kind of stunned I was really stunned that the attitude wasn't about results but about methods because John's big thing of saying was results matter it's not what you do in the curriculum it's what you get done in the curriculum that really makes a lot of sense and so i had been in journalism for 20 years before going back into school and teaching i taught journalism but then i worked in journalism areas for 20 years and when i retired i thought after a couple of years frankly i was bored but i thought you know I just think it's time to tell John's side of the story because he was beaten up in the press and he was beaten up in the education schools. And yet he managed to take a little um, one book that he printed in 1981 and turn it into a hundred million dollar publishing company because there were a lot of people out there wanting his traditional style of teaching. And yet he couldn't get good press coverage, so he was always being beaten up on. And I thought, it's time to write a story and tell his side of the story. And he had four four children, and it took me about six months to get them to agree to talk to me because they were so concerned about talking to anyone that was going to write about their father because of the bad press he had received for so long and uh, once they helped me started helping me with all of their information um, my life changed from just being a teacher and a principal I was a principal on the Indian reservation as well as in Seattle my life of of being a journalist got to blossom writing his book and so basically that brings us to where we are today. I published it in 2010, so that's 12 years ago, and still get offers to buy the book because I sell it out of my home. Amazon quit using, quit carrying the book because I wasn't selling enough, and uh, all the money that I get goes to West Point, where he graduated from, to their math department in memory of him. And so I've just donated the funds all these years to them. And I may get only two or three or four offers a month to sell the book, but I do it. And that's it.
1: That's great. You know, I am a blogger, and most of my posts about math have couched the fight we're in as a war. I call it a math war. And I've used several quotes of John's in my work. And you were so gracious back in 2013 when I wanted to buy the book. And I told you that I was a writer. You said, oh, let me send you a copy for free. And I thought that was hearted for you to just send it and pay for the postage. And, and I read it. And what struck me as I read the book is that you not only talk about the man and his character and what he's done for math, you really share the history of this war. And that's what I want to be preserved in these podcasts That when people come and listen, they can get a sense of the history, how far back it goes, how nothing has really changed. The textbook companies are still in open warfare against our children's minds, developing properly. And math is a language. And John cracked the code on how best to teach that language to little people. And he partnered with Stephen Hake. And they came up with this K through 12 curriculum, arithmetic all the way up to calculus that prepares students like nothing else for rigorous university work in math. And so I want that to be preserved in podcast form for anyone, a parent, educator, administrator, or even just somebody who's wondering what's going on with math right now. I want them to understand that history. And I feel like your book Captured it better than anything else I've ever read.
0: Well, thank you, because that was part of the reason I wanted to write it, too, was to give the history. John helped start the math wars in the 1980s, because when he realized that one of the reasons he had to self-publish his first algebra book, because the six um, people, publishers in New York, wouldn't touch him. Because he wasn't part of the in group, he wasn't part of the group that you have to kiss their rings in order to be accepted in the group, and then you have to do what they do. And he kept saying, "No, I want my book to be the way it is traditional, it's classical. I want we've got math as a history of five thousand years of of being successful." And he knew what he he tried. The one thing John did, I have to say this before I forget it. That no other publisher has ever done, at least in math, is he had a full year of 22 schools in Oklahoma using his manuscript before he ever tried to publish the book to see if it worked. No other publisher has ever done that kind of depth to see if their materials actually work. And when he went to New York and asked to be published, he could not find a single publisher He did find one man who said, let me tell you how to do it yourself. And so John borrowed money from his kids, four children, and three of them are doctors and one of them is a pharmacist. And he took his own retirement money from the Air Force because he had retired from the Air Force. And he published his own book. And then he carted it around and he sold it. And it was amazing how many people wanted it besides the fact of his being a proven commodity. And that made him even more of a danger. And they they escalated, they, meaning the people who run the inside world of education materials. And we know how corrupt that has become. Um, they wanted to destroy him even more. So John has been a warrior in the military. He was awarded the highest honor you can get as a combat pilot in Korea. And his whole life was one of clarity. He just insisted on clarity, that you know exactly where you're going, you know why you're going, and you know what you expect to get there. And if you cannot speak in clarity, then you shouldn't be in education. And so all of what you have just said I tried to put that in the book, the history of the war that is going on, still going on in math education. And John helped start it and maintain it, and we still have enough people who are fighting it, but we're we're on the losing end, Jenny, simply because they have all the power.
1: I know. One of the magical sides to the Saxon curriculum, there is no remedial textbooks. And for anyone out there in education who wants to identify a faulty curriculum, whether it's math or reading, you will see that the remedial curriculum is baked into the product because this is where the math book companies and the teachers education associations make the big bucks. If they can get a child labeled reading or math disabled, meaning they they can't do regular coursework for their age group, They make so much money in that remedial scam. And this is the difference between other textbook companies and what John did. No remediation. We teach it correctly the first time, and then there's no need to go back and do it again and again. And mom and dad take their kids to the after-school camps and programs and hire the private tutors. There's no need for any of that because it has been taught correctly the first time.
0: Well, and when you can realize that
1: the language is
0: is the language um, and thinking about the results and being able to measure what you're doing, when you realize that there is no nuance, there are no euphemisms in Saxon math. It's clear. It's clean. The kids get it. They practice it. Oh, and practice is not a dirty word in John Saxon's world. Practice is what makes people good at what they do. And so when you realize, yes, that an awful lot of stuff that's going on in the education world is driven for money and for power and position, and John really, truly despised dishonesty. He really did. And part of his problem, they thought, was he said that to them, to their faces, And so when what you're saying is exactly right, that remediation today, the need for remediation in school subjects is unbelievable. And now after COVID, I tutor, I tutor second, third, fourth, fifth and sixth grade kids in math at the Catholic school. It is horrendous what I've seen happen to our children.
1: Well, there's this notion that a child can go up through the 12th grade not being taught math properly and then somehow take a remedial class in college like a, you know, here, we'll teach you everything you should have learned over the past 12 years in a semester and then you'll be ready to do the hard sciences. There's no fixing those gaps. There's no going back and getting that history back. It's done. And when you have a child who's smart, fully capable in terms of their brain power, but has used these faulty curriculums all the way through, and they come out thinking they they think mathematically. I'm a mathematical thinker, but then they go and take a real test and realize, no, they don't know it. This is why our universities today are getting rid of math requirements for graduation because there are so many students going to universities and colleges who have had no serious math foundation. It's all been a joke. It's all been a sham.
0: Well, until also parents are willing, I'm so pleased that so many parents now are willing to come forth and really hold education accountable in a lot of areas, but until we get enough parents to realize they know enough math, they know actually how to add and subtract Parents don't have to know algebra in order to know that their children are not learning how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide in grades one through eight. And so, if John's books are so proven that the kids come out of the eighth grade ready, seventh grade actually, ready for high school algebra, because if you can't pass algebra, then you can't pass the other classes in math. And then Okay, so maybe you don't get a job or don't have a career that requires math. I just wonder where we're going to go when we have so many students who cannot do math. And I'll go back to what I was saying a while ago, and it kind of went past me. When you have math that is the language of science, which is the language of proof and honest thinking and clarity, if you have a lot of people coming out of schools who have not learned how to think clearly how to measure accurately thoughts and processes and information, then you have an awful big group of people coming out of schools, unable to think in a logical way.
1: Yeah. And that's a problem.
0: Big problem.
1: Well, we are going to tackle that problem by contributing this amazing book, to the podcasting world over the next weeks and months, chapter by chapter. For those of you interested, I have put a link to Nikki's website where you can purchase a hard copy of her book, but we intend to do this podcast and eventually make the book available on Kindle so that you can just purchase a digital version and have it on your phone. And I would challenge anybody interested in this topic to really open up your heart and your mind to the reality of where we are today and it is not a good place but i think by exposing this exposing the frauds exposing the monopoly that the textbook companies have over our children's minds that that will go a long way and and hopefully flipping things and restoring our republic by teaching our kids the three r's we just want them to read and write and do some math
0: yeah i i'm thrilled that you've you contacted me because I, I will confess, Jenny, I was hesitant, just like John was hesitant about, well, what is somebody really wanting here? Do they really want to know the truth about John? And I'm so thrilled to find out. Here you are. And I'm just I'm overwhelmed with the fact that you're going to do this and help John's story, John Saxon's story, get out there. He's the one that needs to be really, really
1: recognized. He does. And I I would love to see your book made into a movie or a musical or (laughs) something that, you know, tells that story in a much bigger way because it's a story that needs to be told. We need to hand back local control to parents and PTAs and local administrators and break the national and really international juggernaut of our textbook companies. Those monopolies need to be smashed to pieces. One of John's greatest legacies is that he built the largest independently owned textbook company in the world. And he pretty much did it single-handedly with the help of his kids.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, and I, I will interject this very quickly, that as far as helping parents realize how much power they have, the parents of my school in Seattle, after I retired and left there there was an attempt to remove saxon from my school their school and the parents organized
1: i love to hear it i love to hear it because that's where the power is at the end of the day and if parents will say hey we're pulling our kids out of school until you people get it right with phonics and real math you know do some homeschooling for a couple of years. We did off and on with all five of our kids here and there. We homeschooled as needed. And, you know, so joyful, the memories that were created with my five kids using the Saxon books. I hardly had to teach. The books are so well written, especially at the elementary age level, that they Well, Nikki, I think this is a good place to end our show. Do you have any final words?
0: No, I'm just excited to think about. Now that I know that we're up and running, it's going to be great.
1: It is. And we plan to do this show every Sunday afternoon. And you are welcome to listen here on Colin or on Spotify or Apple Music. And all places where podcasts are hosted pick up this show. So Thank you all for stopping by. Nikonia Hayes, thank you for your time and your smarts. (laughs) Any any final words?
0: No, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with with the possibility of just getting the word out
1: about John. We will get the word out. That is the goal. All right. Thanks, everybody, for stopping by. I hope you all have a wonderful week.
0: Bye-bye.